What's up, Georgia football fans? You are listening to episode 315 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. My name is Scott Duvall, and on this episode, it's the Georgia versus Samford recap. The dogs won 33 to nothing yesterday. I think I saw a stat that it's the ninth shutout by Georgia since 2016, which leads the nation. It's not surprising, yet it's shocking and surprising all at the same time. But Will and Tony are on this episode, and they will fill you in on all their thoughts on what the dogs did right yesterday and all the craziness that happened in college football as a whole yesterday. And just one quick little uh, nugget here. Tony's phone is kind of wacky throughout the entire episode. I don't know what was going on, but I tried to fix a little bit of it. So just bear with us as he kind of flows in and out of being able to understand him. But uh, that's it for uh, the intro. Here's Will to get it all started. Hello, I am Will Leach here with Tony Waller. We've discovered this is the post game podcast, by the way, for waiting since last Saturday. We, after Georgia's 33 to 0 victory over Samford, the Bulldogs, the other Bulldogs, uh, we discovered kind of almost, uh, I, I, maybe the listeners have known for a long time that Scott is just never going to be on this, po- these post game podcasts. But we were talking to Tony. He's like, Oh yeah, yeah, no, I don't do that. Like, like, I feel like I've, I, I, I'm trying to, it feels like he's big time in us. If I'm being honest, we're like the B crew that uh, does the Sunday shows, but that's okay. Uh, I'm yeah, happy. Um, it's not, it's not my writer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> seriously. Yeah, but let me tell you about the M&Ms and uh, the stuff I got from the university. Um, anyway, so uh, in my writer, that's a, that's, a, that's a ludicrous joke. Anyway, the point is 33-0. Um, certainly, the one thing that didn't happen that we thought was going to happen was rain. I swear to God, I've been told for the last 72 hours it's going to be raining in about an hour, and it's yet to really happen. Uh, but 33 nothing. I wouldn't call it the most um, uh, uh, electrifying game. I feel like we're probably going to talk a little bit more about some other things that happened in college football. Uh, but they got but, the job done. Yeah, I, mean, I think the interesting thing about it is that um, in a day when Alabama looked out of sorts. Georgia Southern goes on the road and beats Nebraska and two other big, I'm sorry, Sunbelt teams go and win road games against top 10 ranked opponents. Uh, you know, take, I mean, I wouldn't exactly say this is a clunker like the, the solid verbal says when you're clunkers, but this is what really, really good teams do. And, and we've seen Georgia teams that weren't really good do this as well. But, you know, you, it almost felt like Kirby told Munkin he could workshop some stuff. Especially in the first half, uh, in the second half, it was just like, all right, we're just gonna let's just get out of here. Um, so much to to the point where Chris Hatcher said, "Coach, I want a twelve minute running clock in the fourth quarter," um, which is fine. You know, I think Kirby Kirby said that he was like, "I didn't really want that because we need the conditioning," but he understood Hatch asking for it. Um, but overall, you know, you the defense looked really, really good and did what they should do. Um, I'm. I guess I'll be a little more worried about the offense if they look discombobulated and we have to cook, kick six field goals or attempt six field goals next week. Um, that's still take a 33 nothing win over South Carolina. Yeah, I think the headline on the athletic piece was a blah game on a blah day. And uh, and it it, it it was funny that like, it's, it's, it's funny because like, I really didn't think that, I mean, it's hard to tell whether they played Badly, like I said, they didn't play perfect. If they had played perfect, they probably would have won 115 to zero. Um, but I, it did feel that, like, 
I felt like Samford acquitted themselves fine, and I, I think they have no, they they should be perfectly proud how they looked against the Georgia team. But it really doesn't feel like Georgia. You talked about trying some stuff out. It actually felt like the opposite of that. <laughs> it actually felt like they weren't trying anything out at all. They're like, okay, like there was like it, it felt as bland, really from the start. Uh, the idea that like, yes, we know how to win this game. I mean, the idea when you when you have Samford and your first two scoring drives are both sustained slow and field goals <laughs> it, it definitely feels like it, like i don't think there was a lot of excitement really across the board which is fine that's not what they're there for but you know there there are times where i you find little fun little moments out of these uh out of these FBS, fcs games or that you find like uh, like oh look there's this quarterback we haven't seen for a while or here's the here's this fourth stream running back who, who breaks one big it really just kind of felt like if there wasn't a running clock and there was a running clock whole game, but it felt like that. It just felt like everyone was just trying to get out of there. And um, they did. They got out of there. There were no major injuries, but uh, it definitely didn't feel like uh, uh, you don't want to sound spoiled. And particularly when you see what happened with Alabama and Texas A&M and so on, uh, you, you feel grateful. But uh, it didn't necessarily feel like a high bang for your entertainment buck. Yeah, that's probably right. But I have to, I have to give the crowd credit. Uh, despite the fact that it's going to pour rain any minute now for the past three days, um, it uh, the, the stadium was nearly full, and it was the crowd was engaged, uh, especially the first couple of uh, first quarter and a half at least. Um, and you know, I, I found that um, even you know our, our tailgate was bumping in a way I wasn't expecting when I thought up seven o'clock and it was spitting rain. So I guess I can see the alternative view that weren't trying anything, just like all right, let's uh, let's go through, let's check some boxes, let's get out of here. Again, this is another almost a perfect game for Kirby Smart. It's a game that should have won fifty something to nothing. They only won thirty three to zero, and you know there were again there were some miscues or miscommunications. Um, I, I I will say that the lack of execution inside the red zone. You know, you talked about the field goals. I think only one field goal was longer than thirty five yards, and it, it was missed. One attempt was longer than thirty five yards. Um, so you know there. There's certainly plenty for Kirby to go and have an hour of film review and feel like he gets to yell all he wants and for good reason. I did think they would run it more. They actually did. They passed, I think, 29 to 18 was how it ended. I thought this would yeah, be that a game weird. that just established that. that. I was surprised they threw it so much. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I was thinking that uh, last night while I was watching um, BYU-Baylor because I'm a second go. Um, but <clears throat> it is. Uh, it was interesting to me that even even that Stetson airing the ball out his last series, right? Uh, and I, 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 that's that was one of the things that kind of led me to think. Well, maybe they'll try some stuff out, and that sort of thing. Just because I, you don't look. The running game has looked um, like it could use some polish, hmm. uh, and still did yesterday. And it was it was interesting. They, although I guess if you bring back in, you got to let him throw the ball a little bit. You should let him throw the ball a little bit. Yeah, it, it just it, it's definitely one of those games where you expect. And listen, Sanford is like they 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 play a certain defense that's not going to let you just do this all the time. But this felt like a game where you'd like to. Like I remember last week we spent all that we, we, for all these years we've talked about like waiting for the kickoff return for the touchdown or the punt return for a touchdown. Like it's been a while. This feels like one of those games where you expect to see. I would have loved to see one of those running backs break one off. Right, like that's the yeah. thing. We, that's something we didn't really see at all. Was just someone busting a huge one, and uh, eventually you're going to need to see that. If you had to ask me why the crowd stuck around after halftime, I think they were waiting for that a little bit. Um, but it was uh, it was just one of those days where it's like, all right, we 
we've, we've met minimum sufficiency. We've dominated an outmatched FCS team. Um, and, you know, let's, let's, let's move on. And I think that was exactly what Kirby wanted to get out of the day. Yeah, and again, the the twelve the twelve minute clock. I feel like uh, I was trying to think of moments in my life where I could use the equivalent of a twelve minute clock during a usually fifteen minute quarter. Just like like all like Thursday afternoons when everything's dragging. I just like to have a twelve minute clock uh, if I could possibly get through that a little bit. I really didn't. It's funny, like for all the talk of this, I was I was sitting next to Scott during the game. And, uh, you know, I mean, we're, we're, we're not watching the game on TV, so we don't really see, have access to all the stats and everything. It was really kind of remarkable. I was like, wait, Stetson has 250 yards in the first half. Like, I knew they were passing a lot, and I knew they were getting some yards, but it had not actually occurred to me that he had 250 yards. He still had over 300 yards this game. They, they had one rushing touchdown, one passing touchdown. It feels like they could have had more touchdowns. I think Stetson talked about that after the game, how they wish they could have gotten more uh, touchdowns rather than field goals. But it is worth noting one of the things we talked about on the show last week is you know I am I am we we are skeptical that Stetson Bennett could be any sort of legitimate Heisman candidate not because he's not really good not because the office is set up for him but because they're eventually just gonna like in games like this you expect them to throw for like fourteen times for one hundred and forty yards game like this he's got three hundred yards like he's able to add to those stats he has a rushing touchdown. I thought that was interesting. We'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks. You know, South Carolina, you know, we'll, I, I don't know if that's going to be too scary, but we'll see in Kent State uh, as well. But I'm curious to see how, if that stat compilation continues to come up, if he goes for 300 yards the next two games, like he has the last two, I think you can actually start talking about him as a Heisman person. Yeah, I think you have to, right? I mean, he, I mean, they were, they were the most, they were the quietest 300 yards you'll ever see. Cause I, I agree with you. Uh, when I saw that stat flash up there, like it was like 249 or 254 or whatever it was, I was like, wait a minute, that can't be right. And I started thinking, about it, I was like, well, yeah. I mean, he had this 46 yard throw or whatever it was, the long downfield pass to the second quarter. Um, but he also had a number of, like, almost, I mean, every throw with exception, maybe a couple of the swing passes went for seven, eight, nine yards. So, yeah, they do add up. And he, again, he looked, he he took he he had one set a moment where he took a bad sack, but beyond that, it was interesting. They trusted him to run the football in that same bootleg play he scored last week, and um, got another rushing touchdown. Which is everyone's like, "Hey, Setson's got wheels, so why not?" <laughs> yeah, I liked uh, there. There he's had a couple of those. Now he had obviously one in the Oregon game, but a couple of those scramble around, uh, show off the stuff that he can do, show off that he's not the proverbial game manager, right? Like, it feels like that's, uh, those moments have happened now, one in each game where you're like, hey, all right, that's a play. Like, did we did we see a Bryce Young somehow escape that sack from Texas to help Alabama win the game uh, play? Not necessarily. That was a ridiculous play. But uh, but I, listen, I, I have to say, what I found interesting about this game, in a game that frankly did not have a lot to find hugely interesting, I think it's that it's that they can win. They can get the shutout. I think we talked, we joked in the show this week that we're going to look it's possible. We'll look up week four and like for all the talk of the Georgia defense, they still have not given up a touchdown, which is kind of an interesting kind of idea. But I mean, if Stetson's going to put up 300 plus yards in a game that I didn't really feel like he played that great. And the team did not real particularly inspired anything that, that that's an interesting baseline. If this is the, the value over replacement game, if this is the bottom level, that's a lot of stuff to build on. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's what 
I think that's what Kirby Smart was hoping for yesterday. And I'm I'm really, really glad. I'm really glad we got to that point where I I think you're right. I think we'll be interesting when when we do when we do finally give up a touchdown. Um obviously I've I predicted one every week and still been wrong. Hope I'm still wrong after next Saturday. Um but you know, that's uh that's what you get out of a really, really, really good football team. Um uh, and I definitely want to talk about Alabama, Texas. Uh Will, but before before we do that, I do want to say thanks to all the folks that had said, hey, look, I'm wearing 76 Apparel. I saw three or four people wearing T-shirts yesterday. Um, if you don't know where to find the 76, Will, you can go to the76.com. That is, is that the number? Do I, wait, wait do, I, do I do the numbers? The seven, the number 76? No, that's not what I do? It is not. You're not an accountant. You're a writer. You should write it out. Makes sense. 76.com. Um but I did. I did see several people wearing uh, seven six uh, apparel yesterday, and appreciate. Uh, I'm always happy. Uh, I I would appreciate if you sent a message to to Michigan State quarterback Chad, uh, Chase Kelly mm-hmm. and tell him that you bought it specifically because Tony and Will and not Scott at WSLS said to buy it. Speaking of, you can get free shipping if you enter the code WSLS, not the numbers. Will the code WSLS? But thank you very much. It's always fun. To see listeners and to talk to listeners, but more importantly, uh, for our, our partners that you you buy you buy their stuff and let them know that you did so specifically because we sent it. I uh, don't do anything else that I tell you to do, but sure, feel free. Oh, feel free absolutely to not. Um, but yeah, I have to say I thought the vibe. You know, we kind of talked a little bit about. Um, we kind of talked a little bit about the fans and like you know I, mean, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be just. Uh, torrential rain in a game that was not going to be very fun. And I would say that the tailgate vibe was lighter, but uh, as you kind of noted at your tailgate, uh, there were a lot, a lot of people showed up that you might not have thought would always show up at those. And the, the, I would say that like the, the tailgates were sparser, but those that went out, they were thicker, if that makes sense. And I think you saw that at the game. I think you saw that game. Like the, the, uh, you know, this has always been, and Seth Emerson's a good piece last week about why they play these FCS schools and why they play Sanford and so on. One of the things I love that he pointed out, which I think is absolutely true, is these games are usually a, an opportunity for people who generally cannot afford to go to games to be able to go. And I think that you saw that from uh, the the idea that, like, I mean, 600 level was jammed, man, up there. Like, it was jammed. I would like to note, by the way, that Scott had never been to the 600 level and walked up with his kids up to go see it and wave to me and William from up there. So, uh, so it was good to see that he did that. <laughs> I, I enjoy, I, I, I'm assuming there's a close up of my nose hair that he took from the 600 level from, uh, from whatever his, uh, super duper camera that he has. But I, I do think that like, I love that about games like this. Something I've always admired about games like this. It gives people an opportunity to watch the games that don't ordinarily. And, um, and I thought the crowd itself for a game that was again, pretty sleepy, uh, was pretty solid from start to finish. Yeah, and there were a ton of kids there, which was fun, uh, which you would expect for a, a four o'clock kickoff in, in, on a Saturday uh, for a game against Sanford, where I'm pretty sure the get-in price was below 20 or pretty close to 20 by the time we got there. I did see people horse trading, uh, and I do think I, I saw a couple of people give you know uh, uh, $40 for a pair of tickets um, right outside the gate there where I walked in. Um, and you know what? It, well, you and I have alluded to the fact that it was supposed to rain any minute now for the last three days. Um, the fact of the matter is, is like if you had written down, it will be 75 degrees on September the 10th in Athens, Georgia for a four o'clock kickoff. 
I think we would have been like, okay, it's going to be raining. And it was actually <laughs> fine. Weather was great. It was great. It spit rain in the morning a little bit. Uh, it was, it was, it was spitting rain a little bit myself to Tollgate, but it turned out to be an awesome day of uh, watching football. Not the least of which is it might have been the most entertaining day of college football in three seasons since 2019. Oh yeah, um, at least as far as the, the, the objective college football fan goes. Um, we'll get we'll get the big game out of the way first. Congratulations on your line eye. Yes, exactly, six. exactly. Twenty four three. Hat we're yeah. a third of the way there. They they should honestly, man. They should be three and zero right now. Going for four and zero against Chattanooga in ten days, and that gets you. And then heading into that Wisconsin game, it's exciting times. It's uh, uh, Tommy DeVito doing the job. Yeah, well, we had, you know, the, the timing of that 4 o'clock kickoff, I think somebody at the tailgate mentioned maybe 4 o'clock is the perfect kickoff time because you have enough time to watch any exciting noon games ramp mm. up. We we actually stopped in the Sports Center to watch Alabama at the end of Alabama, Texas, and still made, uh, still got in the stadium in time for the Battle Hymn soloist, which is kind of good timing, if you ask me. Uh, it's it, remarkable it to be that way. That's the first a, time I can remember watching the a great noon game to completion and then getting into the Georgia game and have it not be a night game. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why you love a four o'clock kickoff. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then of course, by the time we got, got in the stadium and settled, uh, we had found out that uh, we, you know, we found out that, that Texas A&M was already uh, up against it a little bit with, um, with app state. Uh, what was the other, was that, no, that Notre Dame was uh, the same window. So there was another game that was a little modestly surprising at the noon hour. I don't remember what it was, but then you know I I got home. I got to watch uh, that late that the evening slot, and like, well, I think the best game of the day might be BYU Baylor, and I was not disappointed, even though it didn't end until you know almost one forty five on an overtime touchdown, second overtime touchdown. Um, any takeaways from yesterday that? that made you think, hey, we don't know as much of what we're talking about as maybe we think we do. And I mean, we, I mean, everybody. Yeah, I mean, I think that I'll think of all the time about everything. Uh, anyway, so yes. Uh, but I will say, first off, you get the shout out to the Marshall call. Man, we like we were like openly mocking you when you when you pulled the Marshall. Marshall, look out, Marshall, give Notre Dame some trouble. And they beat him. And I have to say, for all, like, I love that Freeman is an exciting guy. and He's like a fun guy to have as your coach. But woof, starting as that's a, that's a rough way to start off with two losses uh, there. But me, to me, the biggest game of the day is App State, uh, Texas A&M. You know, I think that uh, the, the App State was 0-1. They gave up a crap load of points last week to go into Texas A&M and win that. To me, was pretty remarkable. Of all the things to really shake it up, that Notre Dame was obviously a, a surprising one, though. Now, I think now it's official that Notre Dame is not going to sneak in the playoff this year, so we don't have to worry about that anymore. Uh, yeah, so maybe that's right. a big, maybe in the in the global sense of the season, that's a bigger thing. But to me, Texas A&M losing at home to Appalachian State's a pretty huge deal. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, look, I I have been pumping the brakes on the Texas A&M train since uh, since the beginning of the season. Uh, you know, the the recruiting is absolutely st- uh, stunning. Uh, what they did last year was one class. And also, they still have um, Jimbo Fisher as our coach and will for seven and a half more years because of the contract. Um, now, having said all of that, um, I think, think about Notre Dame. Tyler Buckner's not the answer. I mean, he got hurt, and I, I don't wish ill on anyone staying injured, but I think Freeman has to find a different option at quarterback. I think he's just, he's limited them offensively. Um, uh, also, I, and, you know, I'm not, I'm not a, a big, um, not commutative theory. What's it called when transit property? There you go. Transfer property. I'm not big on transfer property wins or losses, but it does make you wonder a little bit about Ohio State, right? 
Um, just a little bit. I'm not saying a lot. I'm saying a little bit. Um, but, you know, I think overall the takeaway is that you have to go and play the games. I mean, uh, Kentucky and Florida is another good example. Uh, you know, Kentucky went down there and they they basically did the thing that Utah tried to do and, and finished it, um, which is we're going to we're gonna play stout on the lines. We're going to do absolutely nothing fancy offensively but, but bully you. And we're going to dare Anthony Richardson to beat us. And he, he gave up two pretty bad interceptions uh, that just like, you know, it's just, they're, they're great interceptions. I hope he doesn't get that together before we get to Jacksonville. But if he does, I mean, he's an exciting ball player. He is the best ball player on the field. And I'll probably at least, you know, 10 of the 12 games he'll play in and maybe all 12. Uh, but having said that, he still has some growth to go. And it's easy to see why Dan Mullen, it's easy to see why Dan Mullen wanted to go to the other guy because the other guy was a safe one. It cost Dan Mullen his job. But, you know, some Florida fans are feeling less excited about the Anthony Richardson experience this morning than they were last. Yeah. Uh, another thing, right? Like it really was a wild whole day. <laughs> it really, there was like the, the Sunbelt things are obviously amazing, but. Listen, Kentucky going in and beating Florida is a big deal, <laughs> and and that feels and like also look what happened to the like look what happened to the Big Ten the Brat like I can't believe Scott Frost is still the coach. That's kind of remarkable to me that he's still uh, like that feels that feels like a fire him on the bus, uh, uh, yeah. sort sort of thing because that that was pretty amazing. But I have to say, like you know, I mean, look at the top ten. You know, I mean, uh, Texas A&M lost, Notre Dame lost, Bay, uh, uh, Baylor lost, Baylor, Baylor yep. lost, uh, Florida lost at twelve. Uh, I mean, it's kind of crazy that I mean. I think you're going to see. Is it very possible Arkansas is in the top ten next week? I think so. I would think so. Yeah, I, I think, think so, yeah. going to be in the top ten. Yeah. I think Kentucky could be in the top ten. Like it is. It, it is funny to think, and that to me is the maybe the worst part about the Texas A and M thing is we're seeing like some slack between the Big Ten. You're seeing some slack in the. Big 12, obviously the Pac-12, you're seeing some slack. But the SEC is like generally had the like, yep, they keep doing it and they keep rolling. Well, um, now for Texas A&M to fall out, if to lose a game like that not only drops you in the stakes, it makes you like wonder like, oh, well, Arkansas can beat that team. <laughs> like yeah. Mississippi can beat that team. And I think that that's sort of the thing that probably most scares you about that. Yeah, and I think um, I, I got the question a little bit bit after the game or even during after the Alabama loss. I mean, Alabama one point win. Uh, do you think Georgia will jump Alabama? I got to be honest, my official position is I don't care. Yeah. Uh, polls are just, polls are just to sell newspaper or clicks or whatever it is. Uh, the AP sells now. Um, but it, uh, yeah, I think it's on the table. I, you know, I think, I think after the, the moving up. Yeah. I think it's on the table. Um, so I, I, I'm whichever I'm fine. I, that's, that's actually, Again, that's another great thing for will be able to say, guys, y'all deserve to be number one, dude. Hey, let's go watch some film. I'll show you why. <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be, I, I put it this way. Um, I, you know, speaking of, uh, speaking of fun weeks at practice, I was, I was texting him that after the game, and he was like, it was, he's, he's a, Barnum, this is the worst game, a saving coach team uh, game I've seen in his entire career, which includes the old one. He specifically said that. Wow. And he said, I do not want, I would not want to be a prize. He said, I said, I said, I said, I guess even the uh, analysts are going to have to run. He's like, the ministry of assistance should bring their, their run issues. Um, and so he is, uh, I, I do not, if for any stretch of imagination, 
count Alabama out in a lot of ways. I'm not sure Georgia jumping Alabama or Alabama struggling in the regular season does anything for Georgia. Uh, matter of fact, I'm sure it does not, um, especially considering who we'd likely still have to play in Atlanta if things progress the way it looks like they're progressing. But it will be fun if Georgia's number one, uh, and it'll be fun talking point. Uh, it'll be fun talking point for us fans. All right. Uh, well, we'll be back Tuesday night to preview South Carolina. Sorry, sorry. I just I just hear I start to through the sandstorm just gets in my brain. But otherwise, we'll be back Tuesday. Great time. Great time. You're talking. It's a great time seeing a lot of the crew. Fun times all around. And it was just great to be back out there. And now we get a week off before I'm going to do something that I have not done. And they've actually quite since the Orange Bowl, and I'm gonna watch a Georgia game on television next week. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it live on television. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, all right, man. Well, we'll be we'll we'll be back Tuesday night to uh to preview South Carolina. But until then, Tony, hey, go dogs. Go dogs. And thanks so much for listening. We'll be back on Tuesday night recording our Georgia versus South Carolina preview show. Make sure to go check out our podcast sponsor's website, v76.com, and use code WSLS for free shipping. We'll see you soon, and we'll see you on campus in a couple weeks. As always, go dogs.